0: Aloha from Maui, Hawaii. This is Michael Benner. Happy to be with you again on this uh, second Sunday of a brand new decade in a new year, 2010. It's January 10th of 2010, and this is the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School webinar or online class. And today's topic is the Hero's Journey, a classic archetype, a classic myth central to all mythology and the wisdom traditions that we discuss every week, every Sunday afternoon here, or if you're in Europe, Sunday evening uh, on the web and also by telephone. And we haven't talked about this particular topic in uh, over a year, Although Facing Fear, the subtitle of what we're going to discuss today, is a a theme that comes up almost every single week because it is so central to our daily life and affairs. In, In Buddhism, the Four Noble Truths begin with the idea that life is suffering. It is the very first tenet of that great philosophy, that psychology... Uh, some might even say religion, uh, called Buddhism. I don't know if you heard Brit Hume encouraging Tiger Woods this week to turn away from his Buddhist meditation practice and accept Jesus. Um, The good news is that although Brit Hume at Fox News doesn't know this, apparently, uh, you can be a member of any religion and still be a Buddhist. Uh, Buddhism is, is more a philosophy, really, than a religion. Some people think of it as a religion because it fulfills their spiritual needs. But it really is a philosophy. There is no mention of God, um, personal or impersonal, in Buddhism. Uh, it's basically a set of tools that you use to arrive at your own understanding. But central to Buddhism is this concept of the hero's journey, so much so that Joseph Campbell, in his book from the late 1940s, called The Hero with the Thousand Faces, says that the hero's journey in mythology, not only Buddhism, but all the mythology of the world, is what he called, again, talking about Joseph Campbell now, the mythologist, the great late, joseph campbell he called it a mono myth as if it was a single mythology or like a golden thread that runs through all mythology is the terrifying adventure of living uh, some sort of life of being thrown back and forth between the faces of fear and the redemption so-called the the, the hero, um, in the simplest sense, defeating evil with good and protecting those who were helpless or defenseless. But, of course, it has this alchemical theme that goes beyond simply defeating evil with good to defeating fear with love or defeating ignorance with understanding, already for those of you who like to take notes, here's a good place to begin. Look at these dichotomies of good versus evil, uh, winning and losing, uh, right and wrong, love and fear, and maybe one that might uh, uh, surprise you, understanding versus ignorance now as our understanding of this simple dichotomy evolves this hero's journey from fear to love is the way i'd describe it but as it evolves from good defeating evil the classic archetype we we begin to witness a a healing again and alchemical transmutation or transformation of one side of the dichotomy conquering the other side to an understanding that one side can save the other side or redeem the other side. In theosophy, this is often called the fourth ray and known to be uh, subsidiary uh, of, of the second ray of divine love. Fourth ray is called harmony through conflict. And it's the idea that you don't kill your opponent. That it begins with Christ's admonition to love your enemy, but it goes beyond that to actually rescuing your enemy. Now, especially to Western men, this sounds wacky right off the top. With the way we've been educated, enculturated, you could even say brainwashed, we don't recognize our neighbor as our brother. We we don't generally think of ourselves truly as our brother's keeper. We look at admonitions about Uh, loving thy neighbor as thyself as if neighbor only goes down the road a couple of blocks uh, rather than be an inclusive and comprehensive reference to the world's community, to humanity as a single family, a very important concept. As we grow toward this more holistic view of The world of our relationship with our neighbors, good defeating evil or right conquering wrong, changes. As I said, it's not about St. George slaying the dragon so much. That's the classic European um, and even Middle Eastern archetype of good vanquishing evil. St. George slaying the dragon, right? And it's not a a fallacious archetype, it's just limited as far as it goes. And what's happening now is increasingly the esoteric or alchemical concept of lifting evil, lifting fear, lifting ignorance into the light as redemption, as salvation, is being understood Uh, by increasing numbers people are beginning to get the allegory and so a Christian for example who has been educated to believe that resurrection or redemption or salvation is about this mysterious crossing upon mortal death to this heavenly plane um, you, you have an idea of the same, resurrection, salvation, redemption, being something that happens many times a week. And as you get even more alert and more conscious, many times every single day, you have an opportunity to lift ignorance, confusion, misunderstanding, lack of awareness, into the light where it can be understood. This is the classic lead into gold or water into wine. It's not reserved simply for for talking about dying and going to heaven. It's a way to deal with adversity every single day. I was thinking the other day of a line that I wrote down years and years ago because it was so impactful to me that actually I, I, I think Steve and I talked about it now that I reflect on it in one of our premium audio programs over at FocusedPassion.com, and it was this, uh, I don't even know who it's attributed to, maybe an anonymous, but it's essentially um, adversity is the diamond dust with which heaven polishes its jewels. Isn't that beautiful? That the role of conflict, of adversity, of tragedy, of problems, of, if you will, evil and ignorance in our lives is to create an opportunity for improvement. It's the seminal prerequisites for any kind of growth. And so today we talk about the hero's journey as a process that every individual goes through in his or her lifetime. And if you really get the message here, you'll see countless opportunities in every single day to improve your view of good defeating evil or right conquering wrong and begin to see yourself as an agent of change or transmutation that brings light into the darkness, if you will, or understanding into the ignorance and the confusion Uh, and to lift the fear into love and the violence into peace. and uh, This is what we're all working for anyway. But to work on in the inner dimensions, the inner planes, um, rather than limit yourself merely to worldly actions, is central to this whole concept of the hero's journey in facing your fear. hope this makes sense to you, because it can be a real lid-lifter, a real eye-opener. Um, so many of us spend so much of our lives trying to avoid problems and looking at the adversity and the conflict, the hurt and the suffering the negativity in our lives as if we could only avoid it and do a uh, end run around it or blame it on somebody else and insist it's not really my problem. What makes the journey, into suffering, into fear and ignorance, a heroic journey, is that it's one that we deliberately take, even though there are ways of avoiding the opportunity. The seeker or the student understands sooner or later they're going to have to face the challenge that it's just part of life that there are learning lessons that we must go through, our so-called karma, or, if you wish, our dharma. Uh, both karma and dharma uh, speak to this idea that there are certain lessons you have to learn. How are you going to grow? Um, the universe does not do social promotion the way school does. School will keep passing you on from the sixth grade into the seventh grade into the eighth grade, even if you still can't read. They call it social promotion. They don't want to traumatize the kid. The universe doesn't work that way. The universe is more like a video game, where you have to qualify to move to the, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, to move to the next level. Um, you have to be equipped with the tools that you will need on that next level so what would be the benefit of allowing you to pass on and and not have the tools the universe the universe is going to require you to climb a mountain it's going to make sure before you uh, begin the steep climb that you have the proper gear the ropes and the crampons and the uh, all the all the gear that you need to get to the top of the mountain Uh, You you've heard it said in all religions and traditions that life never gives you anything you can't handle. The hero is the woman and the man who understands that, and that things will be dark and scary from time to time, but that you always have the resources that you need to conquer adversity, to rise above it, to come out smelling like a rose, to be better off for it, the 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 story is in how well we do it. Do we do it elegantly and gracefully, like the martial artist? Study the whole alchemical idea of you know self defense, changing it from war and self defense and good defeating evil, like Saint George and the dragon. Can we lift that whole idea to the light that illumines? the darkness, you know the understanding that vanquishes the ignorance. Fear and ignorance is the only enemy, right? Every single problem is rooted in fear and ignorance. In LA, I had for over 20 years a standing challenge on the radio and my talk shows to my listeners to give me a single example of any problem, be it personal or global, Any problem of any kind that was not ultimately rooted in fear and ignorance. The amazing thing is, few people ever even tried. Few people, I I can think maybe of a half a dozen people in those 20 plus years that ever even gave it a go. It was as if most people were willing to accept that it's true that all of our problems are ultimately rooted in fear and ignorance. And so what's the antidote? I mean, remember, when I say that, I'm not saying that the people who are causing you the problem are the ignorant, frightened ones. (laughs) We have to embrace our own fear and our own ignorance born of not understanding. You know, the, the... the whole idea that the universe grows, that life grows, is central to this. If you, we almost take this for granted, and sometimes have to go back and and revisit it. Life, if it's anything, is love that expands and grows, love that promotes learning and understanding, and it doesn't kill or demolish or explode that which opposes it. It redeems. It saves. It uplifts. Like, again, the the classic archetypes of lead to gold or water to wine or even yeast and bread, the rising bread, uh, an allegory for this uplifting, this raising of frequencies. Um, I've also heard uh, teachers liken it to harmonics, uh, the guitar. You know, normally you have to press a guitar string against the fingerboard so that it shorts out on the fret and makes the note on the proper pitch. But if you just lightly touch a string at a certain point, like for example midway, right in the middle of the string, and just touch it lightly, don't press it all the way to the fingerboard, and pluck it you get that note several octaves higher and you get these overtones that ring out that's an octave above that and another octave above that and they're quite beautiful tones that come out uh, called harmonics and those leaps of frequency often offered as another allegory for this fourth ray of, of harmony that That saves. Love saves. Love changes things. It lifts the frequency. And that's the hero's journey. So essentially, what it comes down to is when you're ready to really dedicate your life to living your life as fully and completely as you can, if growth is what it's about, then let's get it on. Growth is learning, growth is healing. Learning in all aspects, healing in all aspects, not only the healing of the physical body, but healing, moreover, of the mental nature and and the emotional nature and the damage from childhood that we all bring forth, and, of course, healing of our spiritual nature, since all of us as human beings have been separated from our source, ripped from the bosom of the one life, and slammed down into these separated bodies and it hurts to be here it's lonely here that's why we're constantly reaching out trying to connect with another person or even connect with your dogs or your cats or your horses or your or your uh, guinea pigs
1: <laughs>
0: your pet rabbits, whatever flowers Uh, You know, smelling the flowers, the smell of the new mown lawn, um, uh, all of these, laying back and looking at the stars or the clouds on a beautiful sunny day, all of these are attempts to reach out and connect because that's our essential spiritual nature, that we are this one thing. There's one mind at work here and one heart. And the universe is a single body. And the appearance of things in the body of the one life is that everything is separated. But, of course, the paradox is all of that springs from or extends from unity. There is a a really nice trinity of, of unity extending through harmony into diversity and separateness. But out here in the physical dimension, in the physical world, separation is lonely, and it's scary. And the only way back home again, right, the great Mandela coming around, here we go, how do we get home again, home again, jiggy jig to get back to the source, is through harmony. We have to create a path that is not the extremes of things. Remember the central Buddhist lesson, not, you know, the lute player not too tight, the string will break, not too loose, the string will not sound, but the middle way. The middle way is a balanced way between the extremes of moving directly into the unknown. To move directly into loneliness alienation, heartache, and essentially what scares you to death. That's our job. In modern psychology, there's a phrase that I think really simplifies all of this and I'm sure would make Buddha smile and Christ and, and the other prophets as well, that whether you're talking about fear itself or life in general, The only way out is through. There is no real end run around. I mean, as I said a few minutes ago, you can try it. You have. I have. But we just can't seem to avoid the lesson. You know, if you avoid it now, it pops up later. There's just no two ways around it. Sooner or later, there are certain fears. There are certain things that each of us doesn't know. Your package is most likely different from my package of things that are unknown and things that we need to understand, fear that we need to face so that we can understand it and redeem it. Uh, so, why not just get to it? Why not go right down the, the, the end of the belly of the beast, you know, right down the middle to the scariest part? if indeed you believe you have the tools. And like I say, if you don't have the tools, you will get them along the way. Ray Bradbury, the famous uh, science fiction writer, once said that uh, when it comes to leaps of faith, you have to take them and grow your wings on the way down. You can't wait for wings before you take this big leap you got to jump, and if you need wings, you'll grow them on the way down. It's, <laughs> I think, sort of a cute phrase. You got to do it sooner or later. Life you ever, you ever feel like life was just had grabbed you by the collar and was shaking you, uh, trying to get your attention, trying to get a message through to you. However you see that, however that works, you may think of it as higher self, your own oversoul, your guardians, maybe your personal savior as in Christ in the Christian religion, or an impersonal God, an unmovable, unknowable um, one life, however you see it. The universe, a philosopher might use a word like the absolute, The fates, if you will, or providence grabbing you and saying to you, pay attention. The lesson is in your pain. And the pain is really your resistance to facing the fear, if you would, but face the fear. Take a breath and step into what scares you most. Stop resisting. The pain falls away. There is still the unknown, but it doesn't hurt nearly as much. It'll still still seem scary, but um, there's a a reassurance that goes with the letting go of stepping forward. The, the, The kinesthetics or the kinesiology of this whole feeling of stepping forward into what scares you is very, very important. For example, let me, let me ask you to reflect for a moment on how excitement feels in your body. There's a lot of very, very smart people listening to this call, either live or by podcast or streaming replay today. Move your awareness, you heady people that are stuck above the shoulders. If you don't know how to do this, move your awareness down into your body. Simply form the intention to do so, and feel in your body how it feels to be excited. All right, um, you've probably got some energy in your legs, uh, uh, weakness or um, strength, some sort of energy flow in your knees. Um, perhaps you're feeling weak in the knees but strong in the hips or maybe vice versa in the stomach that uh, butterfly feeling of excitement uh, move up a little a little farther here in the chakra system move up the spine, the heart it's the next area where you'll sense uh, some palpitations if you will that go along with Excitement, the adrenaline being pumped into your body. Uh, up a little higher, the next chakra is the throat. You might feel a, a lump in your throat. And uh, overall, your palms may be a bit sweaty and, and uh, your pupils dilated. All of these natural and normal responses to excitement, to, oh boy, I can't wait to do this. Now the irony is, Fear feels the same way. The weakness in the knees or the tension in the knees, the energy there, the girding of the loins, the butterflies in the stomach, the heart palpitations, the lump in the throat, the sweaty palms, the the dilated pupils, the overall stress and tension in the body. Is it fear or excitement? They both feel the same way. Write this down. Fear and excitement are two sides of the same coin. They feel exactly the same way. And yet rarely do we hear someone say, or rarely have you said, well, I'm both afraid and excited. We experience it as one or the other. Are you excited? Yeah. Are you afraid? Terrified. (laughs) Right. What's the difference? The difference is if you hold on to that muscular tension, if you resist moving forward and stay where you are, paralyzed like a deer in the headlights, that experience will be perceived by you as fear, which we've already said is the root of all evil, right? It really is. Everything that hurts is rooted in fear. Everything that hurts. Is rooted in fear. Every problem you have is rooted in fear. But if you respond consciously and deliberately to these same feelings in your body, if in response to the weak knees, girded loins, butterflies in the stomach, heart palpitations, lump in the throat, sweaty palms, and dilated eyes, <laughs> with a deliberate, slow, deep breath, maybe two or three of them, and a feeling as you exhale of letting go, and you step forward directly at the heart of darkness, stepping directly into what it is that terrifies you most, those feelings in the body, you will no longer experience as fear, but rather as excitement. And the oh no becomes the old oh boy. And you realize it would have been old oh boy, it would have been exciting all along, but for your resistance, you dug in your heels. You're holding on with white knuckles for dear life. And that's the pain. Ask, ask a dentist. <laughs> I had the good fortune as a little boy to have a dentist say to me as he's doing this work and and you know I've got the white knuckle grip on the arms of the dental chair and my back is literally arched right I'm barely even touching the chair I'm so tense and he, he stood back, and he looked at me, and he said, the more you tighten, the more this is going to hurt. And I was just a little boy, and that did not make sense to me at all, but I tried it, and he was right. And it's true in every area of your life. Emotionally, the same thing is true. It's not just physical pain. Your emotional pain, it hurts the most when you resist it, when you ignore it. When you deny it, that's the process. It's a symptom. Of course it's going to hurt more and more and more until you do what you need to do, which is face it. Remember, Joseph Conrad wrote a book called The Heart of Darkness. The very center, the darkest pit of what scares you is the bullseye. That's where we got to go. That's where we're headed, if we are a spiritual warrior, and if we are to walk the hero's journey as adventure rather than fear. There will be some fear along the way, no question about it. Right, and the point is, the more often you do this, and the more conscious you are of your choice to. Face your fear and step into it, then the more skilled you become, you become better and better and better, right? Your, your belt gets dirty, so eventually you go from a white belt to a yellow belt to a black belt. You, through experience, the belt gets darker and darker. Black belt is just a reference to having done it a bunch of times, being experienced. And that's the spiritual warrior. That's the hero's journey. By the way, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but it certainly fits here, bears repeating. The spiritual warrior, uh, the student or the seeker, on the hero's journey facing their fear, it carries two weapons, this too, obviously, allegory. The weapons in the left hand, uh, the sinister side, if you will, is the shield, and the shield is a shield of love. Love, being magnetic, attracts love, allies, and repels that which is not love, your enemy. Okay. The sword, on the other hand, is a sword of truth. This is carried, obviously, when I say on the other hand, in, in your dominant hand. This is your lead hand. The sword of truth is not designed to kill anything or lop off limbs or let blood, the sword of truth is an intention. Just as the shield is love and more emotional and spiritual in nature, the sword of truth is more mental. It's it's about will and intention. The sword of truth is the sword that renders the veils of illusion and delusion. Uh, rips open the appearance of things, the maya, so that you can see truth as it really is, beyond the veils. And so in this way, here, another allegory for the hero's journey, the journey, the adventure of the spiritual warrior who is determined to target that which he or she least understands as evidenced by the fact that it's scaring you, and it hurts. <laughs> and, and it's a symptom of your uh, of fear and confusion, your ignorance. I hate to use that word, but just as love and understanding go together, fear and ignorance go together. So the idea of of love vanquishing fear is obviously understanding, uh, crushing ignorance but you don't kill it you know or demolish it or blow it up you train it <laughs> you educate it you teach it and so that's our job that's who we are that's what we're here to do one of the most profound uh, epiphanies if you will or insights That I've ever had in meditation was uh, gosh. I wonder when this did happen. I've uh, it's got. We must be going back to. Well, not that it matters to you. I'll have to think about this later. I guess it's been twenty, twenty-five years now. Uh, It's hard for me to place, but anyway in the middle of a meditation, just a general reflection. It wasn't a purposeful meditation. It wasn't guided imagery where I was working on solving a problem or making a decision or setting a goal, just sort of emptying my mind in contemplation. and This awareness came to me. It was less a picture than a voice. It was my voice it sounded it sounded like uh, and it said simply, Michael, the best parts of you are hidden where you're most afraid to look, and you know how revelation often when it arrives in your head, either in a meditation or you could be doing just about anything in this spontaneous epiphany will explode inside your head and it's always fascinating to me how it arrives with a sense of confirmation or a feeling in your body that,
1: yeah, yeah, that's it.
0: <laughs> that's right, that's exactly true. It's not only, oh, here's this new information, but it slams in with such a resolution that you go, Wow, that's so definitely spot on, and that's, <laughs> that's the way this hit me it was like, well I've never thought about this, but immediately I can see the wisdom in it it's so obviously true that the best parts of us are hidden where we're most afraid to look well, what's the rest, I mean what do you do with that You know, you reflect on that a little more and you decide, well, if I'm going to know the best parts of me, and find the best in me, then I have to figure out some process that I can commit myself to of looking at what scares me. And then recognizing that that fear, that anxiety or stress or apprehension or worry, doubt, nervousness, whatever you want to call it, is really a symptom of ignorance. Note takers, write it down. Fear equals a symptom of ignorance. And remember that all that hurts, whether it's physical pain, like the dentist saying, relax, it won't hurt so much, or the much more common emotional pain and hurt that we go through, it's the resistance that's causing the pain. Commit yourself to understanding it to facing your fear to moving directly into the heart of darkness breathing, letting go reminding yourself that this is what you're built for you're a spiritual being you're designed to do this you may not know that yet but this is the way you find the strength to get through the most difficult times in life and you will do your quota you will not be able to avoid fear and pain and suffering there's just no way around it some people even try to avoid love they refuse love they reject love because they were hurt along the way when somebody they loved lied to them cheated betrayed or maybe just up and died one day and so they say, well, that's it. I'm not messing with that anymore. I'm not going to go through this hurt. So I- I'll just not love ever again. And it's tragic. But when you decide, yes, I want love in my life, well, let's be grown up about it. Let's be mature and realize if you're going to have life, you've got to have the nighttime with the daytime. you got to have the, the valley of the trough if you want the peak of the trough. Right, it's cyclic. You have to have winter in order to have a summertime. There's no steady state in the universe. Everything is a vibration. Everything is in oscillation. All things have a yin and a yang. They have their polarities. They have their peaks. They have their valleys. Uh, they have their uh, magnetism. They have their period and frequency. You know, to be a really good spiritual student, I, uh, I think it's important for you to understand basic electromagnetism. I say this a lot to my students and my clients, and I don't think very many follow up on my suggestion, but I, I, <laughs> I persist in recommending the most elementary book that you can get at the library or bookstore or online, wherever, really simple elementary, like eighth-grade level science on magnetism and electricity, and understand the basics, right? If a 12-year-old can understand it, you can understand it, and then apply it to love, to spirit, to life. And you begin to understand that the ancient teachings, the ageless wisdom, the, the secret traditions, uh, the esoteric and perennial philosophies of all times and all cultures are actually based on these principles of polarity, vibration, frequency, and oscillation. So... Face your fear. It's the only way to get to the love on the other side. Hold on. You know, try to claim your ground and hold on. You're going to create a lot of difficulties because life is moving. Life is rolling. Everything is spinning and jumping and planets rotating on their axis. The moon goes around the earth. The earth and the moon go around the sun. The solar system is moving through this spiralic galaxy around a black hole at its center. On the micro level, as above, so below, we see electrons that appear to be rotating around the molecule, around the nucleus of a given molecule, but we find out that on the subatomic or quantum level, they're actually flashing into existence, these little negatively charged electrons, they disappear and then they flash back into existence and disappear again and reappear someplace else in this universe or another in this possibility or in another possibility it's quite a remarkable universe especially on the subatomic level but you can make sense of it all when you bring together physics and metaphysics and begin to see fear as nothing but a polarity, one side of a cycle. And with consciousness, which is the ultimate truth, love is consciousness. Consciousness is love. Get that. That's note takers. That's another one to write down. You'll wrestle with that for twenty or thirty years. Love, truth equals consciousness. Consciousness equals love truth, that's a big breakthrough for a lot of you besides that a little bit try to get your brains and your hearts around that and you'll see well how could I come to the light but through the darkness how could I possibly come to understanding but through ignorance how could I possibly make a difference grow, learn improve myself that I might have more to offer in service to others without facing what I don't know and how do I find what I don't know if I don't know then I don't know it's there right it'll hurt it'll scare you and that's how you find it that's how you find what you need to know in your life Not by blaming other people for causing the hurt or events and circumstances that you're, you know, like the little Dutch boy trying to hold back the dike. Forget that. Let the dike break. Take ownership and responsibility for the hurt as a symptom of your resistance to change. Face the fear. Breathe, relax, let go, and turn it into an adventure with excitement, you'll you'll feel similarly in the body but holding on to those symptoms, you remain stuck in the fear breathing and letting go, stepping forward directly at what scares you turns it into excitement this is the hero's journey and it's very personal it's ultimately you that have to stand at the center of this, if not you, then who? been a long time since I told you about that favorite quote of mine from the uh, restaurant in Big Sur. you ever been to Big Sur? There's only a couple of restaurants up there on the coast in California, two or three little restaurants. One is sort of a restaurant bakery. And I don't know if that sign is still there, but back in the day there used to be a sign in this restaurant that said, Chew your food well. If you don't, who will? And that appeal for accountability, for responsibility, to face your fear, to own up to it, and to accept it as an opportunity to learn and to understand, to transform and improve yourself. Why limit this growth model? To something that happens once, maybe, when you die. Resurrection, redemption, salvation. Why not countless times in a given day, with everything that hurts you, physically or emotionally, uh, all of the pain, just keep owning it, become mindful of it, and see it as an as an indicator of the direction in which you need to move how how do I how do I know what I need to do people say to me and I say what scares you and they'll say you know what scares me I've been coming here long enough (laughs) and I say close your eyes and move into it it's not uncommon for people to say I don't know what you mean, Michael. Move into my fear. I said, Well, you know how it feels to run away from it, don't you? They go, Yeah. Like, drop everything and run in the opposite direction. You have a feeling for that, right? Yeah. Well, do the 180. Drop everything and move directly at it. If you know what directly away is, you... (laughs) you know what directly at it also is. It's 180 degrees move in the opposite direction. And I swear, the fear that's been holding you back and building as a result of your holding on will immediately be transformed into excitement and adventure when, when, when combined with breathing and a letting go feeling. Let's do it. And every success It results in an aha, and oh, I get it, oh, I see, and the hurt falls away. I swear, when you arrive at the understanding that created the fear and the associated hurt, when you realize the truth that needs realization in this instance, that hurt that was a symptom of resisting it, might be jealousy might be anger could be any kind of anxiety or worry or apprehension depression ocd <laughs> doesn't much matter if it's a negative feeling it will fall away when you understand what it says about you it's trying to give you the message your whole life is conspiring to enlighten you we just gotta keep reminding ourselves. You know, that's why I'll always do at least one program like this a week. You know, if nobody was listening, I'd do this <laughs> just because I benefit from setting aside some time to remind myself of these things. It's so easy to become intoxicated by the stimulus of the world around us and so overstimulated that we go into these exceedingly high brainwave states of stress and anxiety and and the fear mounts and the brain sees it as danger and goes into fight or flight response and now here comes the adrenaline and the muscles are even tighter and Blood pressure goes up and the pulse goes up, and the brain's looking all over trying to find the danger. Where is the danger? Of course, there is no danger. You were never in any danger. Danger is driving on the freeway. You were just confused. There was something in your life that you don't understand. That's not shameful. Something that you were unaware of, maybe. Funny, we have very few words for ignorance. Ignorance. I, I'm not going to use stupid because uh, nobody understands the meaning. Stupid is stupefy, like uh, deer in the headlights. Ignorance means to ignore. Doesn't mean you lack the capacity. Stupid doesn't mean you lack the capacity, but I, I can't use words like this. I personally don't don't choose not to. I've seen spiritual teachers call their students stupid. Uh, it doesn't work for me. But there are precious few words: uh, confused and unaware. <laughs> That's about it. We need more words for explaining what we don't know. If you have any ideas, you might want to put them into the comment text section on the page in front of you. In fact, I'd like to go there now. And also, if you're on the telephone, if you're calling in, or if you want to go from one to the other, from the phone to the web, or from the web to the phone, the numbers are all on the page in front of you. As I mentioned earlier, if you're concerned about a toll call, some people still pay by the minute. Click on the link that says uh, Other Numbers. When you go to that listen-in page, there's a primary number, a backup number, and then it says Other Numbers, and find an area code near where you are, and that'll make it a local call. The secret is... To enter the conference ID properly, any one of the phone numbers will work. There are dozens of them all over the country. If you're international, you'll have to choose one in the United States. Hopefully that'll change soon. I'd like to have international numbers as well. And for those of you who are on flat rate, I guess it just doesn't matter which number you use, but uh that's that's your choice, and then um, if you want to raise your hand, if you want to be acknowledged because you have a question, just press star two on the touch tone pad of your telephone star two, just do it once. that will raise your hand. If you did it twice, it'll lower your hand, so don't keep doing it. Just do it once, star two. I think the voice prompt confirms it. And we'll start with the uh, text questions. Let me go to those. And we'll see who's online, who has comments, who has questions, and who's just checking in to say hi, hello, and howdy. And we'll begin with uh, Pittsburgh PA, John. John Bowles says, hello, Michael. Hello, John Bowles. Nice to hear from you. And in Irvine, Robert, Robert Fiegel says, Aloha, Michael. He says, I find myself immobilized by fear, the fear of making the wrong choice. I analyze my choices to the point of not making a choice. And I find myself missing out on so many great opportunities. Thank you for the great class today. You really gave me an answer. I was looking for peace and magic to you and Doreen. Um, yeah Robert I know that one I'm sure of that one I call that paralysis by analysis it's overthinking and um, I attract a lot of people that are more inclined to rely on their head than their heart I think because most of my life I did that and something in the way I speak causes people who are um, more mental than emotional to say, well, this guy makes some sense, so maybe I'll check him out. Um, But we've got to move into an integrated state, Robert, where we accept what the mind can tell us, accept the limitations of what the mind can tell us, And when we get into a paralysis-by-analysis situation all tied up in knots, and remember, the more stressed you are, the more likely the brain is to look at negativity and to try to find danger. Uh, The mind will worry about things that have never happened to you. (laughs) Well, what if these things that have never happened to me or anybody I know happen? and the brain will have a way of presenting them as if they really might happen to you, even though they never have and are not likely to, because that's its job. The brain says you're stressed, you're carrying muscular tension, your breathing is shallow. I'm going to get busy looking for the danger, and so that's why we get all tied up in knots mentally. Paralysis by analysis breathe, let go Robert and move down into your heart space this is emotional intelligence and uh, use meditation and mindfulness to calm the emotional nature to calm the emotional waters so they are undisturbed and tranquil and then you'll be able to supplement your good logic and analytic reasoning with the wisdom of the heart, the wisdom of a calm, tranquil, emotional nature, the wisdom and understanding that is love, that aha experience. And then the only other thing to consider is make sure you trust it. Lots of people really do know the right thing to do, but they lack the courage to do it. And so we stand often right on the edge of resolving a problem and enjoying all of the wonderful benefits we can almost taste it and touch it it seems so close and yet we're not there because we're not willing to commit to it or, or, or to allow it or to make that little leap of faith so breathe, relax, face it do what you need to do um, sooner or later we grow. There is a quote by Seneca, the Roman sage, that I like a lot um, about fate and destiny and providence as the divine and Seneca said um, for those who are willing, the fates will lead and for those who refuse, the fates will drag so you will grow and I will grow One way or the other. (laughs) We can dig in our heels and resist it, and we will grow slowly with great pain. Or we can face it, breathe, relax, open the heart as well as the mind, and learn to trust that wisdom of the heart, and uh, then step into it. Often you do know what to do. You just got to trust, trust the heart. Thanks for uh, posing. That's a great question. In Los Angeles, Patricia says, "Aloha, Michael. Great show. Thank you. I needed this uh, reinforcement uh, today. You do a great service. Happy New Year. Thank you, Patricia. Happy New Year to you. Let me refresh the screen. Carol Pastel in La Habra, California. Hello again, Michael, and hello again, Carol." Bert in Honolulu, how's it, Michael? Do you think the old Youngblood song, Get Together, applies a little bit to the subject? Aloha, Bert. I interviewed Jesse Cullen Young. He was, God, I had to be in the early 70s because I was still in Detroit. And uh, what a gentleman. What a sweet guy. Jesse Cullen Young and the Youngbloods. Yeah, I think he's still around, too. Well, that's a wonderful song, Get Together. Smile on your brother, love one another. I think that applies a lot, actually, Bert. And, Bert, I got your um, mailing, the John Wooden Pyramid. I appreciate that. Thanks for forwarding that. Uh, I I have that somewhere, but I couldn't, I'm sure, lay my hands on it at this point, having moved four times in the last, years, so it's good to have a new copy of that. Thanks. Appreciate it. In Tucson, Arizona, Lorelei says, Aloha, Michael. Great class. Peace and love to you and Doreen. Thanks, Lorelei. And in Albuquerque, Diane, hi. She says, longer classes are actually an extra bonus for us, and then there are times when fear." is appropriate, as so many in our country have lost their jobs and their homes and money for food and so on, but then it must be a time to seize the opportunity to face the dragons. That's another nice allegory, to face the dragon. I guess we talked about St. George, didn't we? And begin to slay those dragons one at a time. And when you've been down and out and find your way back, Uh, There is an empowering result. The result is that you're never afraid again, and you can stand stronger than ever. Peace. Thank you, Diane. And boy, isn't that true? Uh, Whatever progress we do make in this adventure of the spiritual warrior, the hero's journey of facing your fear, you never lose that progress. And you build upon it. You say to yourself, well, geez, if I can get through this, what's going to scare me in the future? Or, uh, I never thought I'd survive this, and it worked out after all. There were some dark times and, and dreadful, scary periods here, but we just kept doing what we needed to do day by day, and Come out the other side. Try to scare me now. (laughs) Right. We're built for this. I keep saying that. I I can't emphasize it enough. There's a a book, I think, uh, uh, Dr. Epstein. Was it Epstein's book? What was his name? I think, well, I remember the title. I'm just not sure the author. The title was Going to Pieces Without Falling Apart. And as I remember, it was a medical doctor uh, from Harvard who had studied Buddhism and was bringing it all together with this idea that you can go to pieces. You're not going to fall apart. That you are, you know, more than that. You are more than your emotional nature. So that all that's shattered from time to time is the part of you that isn't real. If your heart's going to become crystallized and rigid, then in order to grow, it might have to be broken a few times. And a broken heart hurts, but growth hurts, and birth hurts, right? We did a show a little over a year ago, I'd like to reprise, called The Ring Past Not," where because life happens in stages and phases and passages, it's sort of a jerky stair-step kind of a function, not linear or smooth like a, like a curve, but no growth, no growth, no growth, and then big fear, big pain, big challenge, and big learning. And you leap. And then there's no growth, no growth, no growth, and then a crisis. That forces you either elegantly or inelegantly to grow and you make another leap so it's that see that zigzag stair step function in your mind's eye well the ring pass not is the point just before the leap and pressure builds and builds and builds and then when you finally leap uh, everything is released it just hurts up until the point where you take that leap and um, so don't be afraid of going to go into pieces. You know, don't be afraid of crying. Don't be afraid of feeling uh, helpless. And the point is to move into it and through it, and out the other side. See? The stuck is not facing it. When you face it, you can move into it and through it, and out the other side. It's sort of odd to suggest that the way to love is through fear, or the way to understanding is to face your ignorance, but if you <laughs> If you work with that idea a little bit, it starts making even more sense. Let's go to the phones if uh, you'd like if you have a question and you're on the phone, press uh, star two and if you're on the web and would like to call, uh, the number is there, click on the Listen in" button over on the left. that'll toggle the choice between the web and the phone. Choose any one of those numbers, and when prompted, just enter the conference ID. And once you're hooked up, star two will raise your hand. Let's go to um, West L.A., and Robert is with us. Hello, Robert. You're on with Michael Benner in the Wisdom School. How you doing? Hey, Robert.
1: i oh, Hey, Robert. Hey, Michael, how are you doing? Yeah,
0: yeah, better and better, thanks.
1: Hey, great uh, topic today. This is a topic for our times. I wondered if I might share a, a thing or two. Please do. Um, I kept hearing again and again, um, actually, with uh, the other Robert, uh, or it might have been somebody else, that said they, or maybe it was you just speaking for your clients, that they have a terrible time getting started with this process, initiating the process. Um, you know, it's back in the old days, we may have slain dragons and saber-toothed tigers, but today the path of the hero is the path of individuation, to put it in Jungian terms. And that's an inward journey, the path through the shadow, and, which you've alluded to many times. And um, I think we put a splinter in our minds when we adopt a image of ourselves. And that image of ourselves puts us at odds with all the rest of what we are but may not acknowledge. And the quickest way is just to decide to lay that self-image down. And we all know we have one, who we think we are in the world, who we think we are at other people, et cetera, et cetera. Just put e- that down the for The ego, a so-called. The so-called ego. And just put it down. And then, with brutal honesty, be willing to look at everything that we can identify in our being, in our past, in our way of doing things that cannot be reconciled with that self-image. And when you do that, boy, you talk about a leap of consciousness, because (laughs) in the shadow and and in these things that are hidden in ourselves and in these things that we cannot reconcile with our bogus self-image, is consciousness sequestered away it's bound up there. We wonder why we're dragging our our butts through life. It's because we've locked so much of ourselves away in the stuff we don't want to look at. When you look at it, that consciousness is released, and you'll see you'll experience heightened senses. You will be aware of thoughts in your mind, feelings in your body, things you were never aware of before. Um, it's it is truly a leap. Um, that is the quickest way that I know of. The
0: the only issue that we all have with that is the tendency that we seem to be hardwired to, or the ego certainly loves to, um, want to judge things as good or bad, or I like it or I don't like it, and then we get in these battles, well, which part of me, which I doesn't like this or doesn't like that, and uh, the higher self, of course, doesn't much care, what the ego likes or doesn't like. So, to transcend all of that, the mindfulness you're talking about requires that we let go of judgment too,
1: huh? Yeah, yeah. It's censorship, judgment. Censorship. Of course, <laughs> yeah. and of course, that's part of the bogus self-image. The bogus self-image only lives because there's a censor and a judger and something that is determined. Okay, wait a minute. Well, this works. And, oh, no, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, let's see, here's self-image, this thing I've done here in my past that I remember and life seems to remind me of all too often, I can't seem to fit this in with the self-image, so we'll just we'll just throw that away in the psychic dump over here and forget about it as best we can. Um yeah, you're right. You have to. That's what that self-image has to go. You just have to drop it and realize that it really isn't us anyway. And and look at this this other stuff. Look at the shadow. Look at the parts. Look at the look at what's hidden. Because even though it may wear an ugly face, the reality is very often it may only be the result of a virtue that's been subverted. So,
0: in psychology, there's a lot of that where we see a dysfunction or a self-destructive behavior actually can be traced to a time when it was a survival skill, but outgrew its value and became, you know, reversed its polarities, became destructive in the long run. Right. Uh, like learning to please your parents as a little kid to make sure they don't keep beating you, you know, you do whatever you can to keep them happy, but then that could lead to a dysfunction as an adult being a codependent people pleaser and right. refusing accountability because you just, well, that was a survival skill as a kid. So to to take that mindful appraisal of even the the craziest stuff we do and and our bad choices and our dysfunctional behavior often is part of a larger process. Again, we're growing, we're learning, we're healing. And how else to get our attention but to make life hurt every once in a while?
1: Well, pain is a brilliant messenger.
0: Gets my attention.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it, it worked. There was a, a great book, if anybody finds it out there, by Milton Ward who's a Tibetan Buddhist, He's American, but Tibetan Buddhist, called The Brilliant Function of Pain. The thing is probably about 80 pages long, but he sort of brings people that when you read it, he, he, he calls for you, the reader to say, look, it, it was written at the time when the New Age spiritual movement was just starting to pick up momentum. I said, look, you know, people are wanting this subtle experiences, and they're wanting... You know, grandiose energetic capacities, and they want to see in other worlds, and yet we ignore this most basic messaging coming from our most concrete self about what it is that we're doing that is completely out of harmony with life, with our being, and everything else. Right. It's right. There it is right in front of you. In, In simple, plain, and simple. Often, you know, almost impossible to ignore, and yet somehow we find ways to.
0: Because <laughs> it's scary, Robert. Thank you, man. Do you have uh, a parting shot, final comment for us?
1: Uh, no. I. Uh, what are you reading? Oh, uh, today now. Well, nowadays, uh, I noticed that I've been looking a lot at the uh, older works of uh, Arnold Mendel. Um, Who is a process worker from uh, Europe? He's written some great books uh, along the dream body theme, dream body, dream body relationship, working with a dreaming body. He's written a number of books, but uh, he's one of the pioneers of uh, what's called channel switching, and where if we can uh, work with a body sensation, an image, or something that we're hearing coming out of us, arising in our consciousness, and amplify that then we can experience what's called a channel switch, where, say, something we're experiencing on a physical level, an ache or a pain or sensation, will switch channels and become auditory or visual information, like a, a dream image, linking us to the source of the problem, what it is that this somatic mechanism is trying to reveal, trying to get our attention tell us about. Yeah. It's really, uh, really very, very, very interesting stuff. I like that. What's it called again? Uh, the first book uh, he wrote was "The Dream Body: The uh, Body's Role in Revealing the Self." And uh, what's, uh,
0: what's, what's the author's name again?
1: Uh, Mindell Arnold. First name Arnold. Last name is. Uh, M I oh wow what's that M I N D E L L There's the alarm
0: we were talking about.
1: Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, it's probably we're probably at eighty eight and a half minutes. But yeah, this, in fact, uh, it's uh, great stuff for anybody who wants to do this uh, shadow work. You know, there's so many comments we could make, and there's so little time. While you were talking, I was thinking of Don Juan and the Castaneda books. Oh, yeah. uh, telling. Telling Carlos develop your second attention learn to stalk your because this thing that's trying to get our attention and and give us the information that we keep asking for is giving us the signals we're just we're just seduced by other stuff and once we pull our attention back put it where it needs to be and then we start getting we start witnessing these cues and they will awaken us to to what we need to uh be uh paying attention to on a subtler level
0: witness is a good word for it I use that word myself I I like it Robert thank you take care have a wonderful day you too I appreciate you calling and being part of the program today and uh, let's do our visualization exercise I was hoping I could keep it under 90 today I don't think I'm going to be able to Diane, it was nice of you to suggest that you benefit from a longer program. Um, you know, I, uh, the people pleaser codependent in me wants to make everybody happy to try to find a program that's not too long, but certainly long enough. But we can escape time altogether if we close our eyes, so let's do that. And I'll watch the clock so it's just a few minutes in the real world here. As you get comfortable and close your peepers, take a nice, slow, deep breath, bringing in strength and power through your nose. Hold as you peek. Sense the fullness and just as slowly. Exhale now as you feel a letting go in your body. Go beyond where you'd normally stop. Slowly, gently, all the way out. And then take a second slow, deep breath. It might be difficult for you to extend your breathing beyond four seconds in and four or five seconds out. But I want you to work on and as you practice slow, deep breathing. You'll be able to do five in and five seconds out, then go to six, seven, eight, nine, even ten seconds breathing in and ten seconds breathing out. As you become more and more relaxed, even even breathing, we're anxious to finish that side of the breath, (laughs) like hurry up and suck in the rest of the air or hurry up and exhale before you... You know, so you can grab another breath. Hurry, hurry. It takes practice to feel relaxed enough to slow down to maybe four breaths per minute. And the slow, deep, deliberate breathing will help you get there. And then, if you haven't already, put your attention deliberately in the bottom of your nose. And as you allow your breathing to find its own natural cadence, simply watch your breath at the very point where the air enters and leaves the body, the bottom of your nose. Just sit there gently and effortlessly observing the body Taking by itself whatever it needs and exhaling the CO2 when it's done, extracting the oxygen and then it cycles around. And just ponder for a moment the mystery, the magic, perhaps even the majesty. that allows you to be aware of your breathing without having to initiate it. That breathing, like the beating of your heart, the regulation of blood pressure and body temperature, the healing of cells and replacing other cells that's happening right now throughout your body. The digesting of food and the fighting disease process all taken care of for you. That you might be free to witness use the word Robert used to witness the body breathing and the heart beating and, and, and this miracle that is life, this energy that illumines and animates you as it flows through you. Imagine all of that on autopilot to free your mind and even more to the point, the consciousness within and above the, the mental nature itself to simply witness this process I'd like you to allow yourself by freely associating whatever is the stream of consciousness or your train of thoughts gently move yourself in the direction of something scary in your life, something you've been avoiding it might look like a job that needs to be done, a problem out in the world that needs to be solved. It might be a relationship with another person or it may just be this seemingly negative feeling. It might even be subtle and difficult to finger or describe aloud. But as you form the intention to go in the direction of that which is negative, that which hurts, that which feels scary, allow to come up what first presents itself and gently focus your attention on those initial feelings of fear maybe fear is too big a word maybe it's just a little worry or doubt maybe it's just some stress or anxiety or nervousness but it's all fear and then make the first step in the hero's journey remind yourself that what scares you what supports emotional and often physical pain is something you don't know and understand make it about you in other words it's not only anything in the world that you don't understand that's causing this fear and this hurt this suffering process make it personal make it about you what is it about you that you don't understand and don't there's no need to make any attempt to answer the question,
1: to analyze
0: it, just ask the question and wait passively. Make no effort <laughs> to answer it yourself. It'll it'll bubble up into your awareness. Just give it the space. Your question is sufficient. What is this pain? What is this hurt? What is this fear of the suffering, the scary thing in my life? Have to teach me about me. And this may come to you as a picture, as a voice as a feeling in your body or some combination of the three. Maybe it's just a sense of illumination. Like the answer that's occurring to you has been here all along. But you're turning up the light now by letting go. You're turning up the light your willingness to see to face the fear and now you can see farther and farther into the darkness until oh I see I'm beginning to see here here it was here all along the part of it that scared me was just not knowing me truth of my point of view so ask it again and get a little bit more whatever bubbled up for you in this exercise a few minutes ago when you first put your attention on what scares me what hurts me, what's disturbing me, where. What problem am I trying to avoid that now I could face? What circumstance or situation? Then make it personal. This is something I don't understand, step one. And it's something I don't understand about me, step two. And face it. and Let it reveal itself to you. Open your mind, open your heart, face your fear. What's this say about me? What is my personal growth lesson? In this hurt and confusion and the next time this comes up in my life how can I remember what I'm learning right here right now from my inner guidance from my higher self How can I apply this the next time I'm in a similar situation? Now if you're new to working an inward way, I want you to remind yourself that the feeling you're making this up is exactly the right feeling, but when I say making it up, I'm not talking about consciously designing responses, I'm talking about surrendering to an effervescence of awareness, to an intuitive realization that seems to just come out of the blue and so in that sense making it up or allowing it to be realized is exactly the right feeling trust your feelings especially those of us who get stuck in our heads And don't have a lot of experience with emotional feelings because usually when we go there, it just hurts so much. Practice breathing into that. Into that hurt. Go there anyway. Because right under that thin veneer of hurt and pain and suffering is an ocean of love and truth and awareness tell yourself that whatever you've realized and come to understand in the last few minutes will be easy to remember remember the room around you reorient yourself to the space that you'll see in a moment when I ask you to open your eyes, but linger here for just another moment. Congratulate yourself for having the courage to take this short trip down this path of adventure, the, the path of the spiritual warrior. The Middle Way, The Mystic's Way, The Hero's Journey. For taking the time to join us today, live or or by replay, and do the exercise. Give yourself a, a little reward. Pat on the back, a little hug. Imagine saying to yourself what you always wanted to hear from one or both of your parents and then take another nice slow deep breath filling your lungs hold as you peak and now exhaling open your eyes wide awake back in the room all rested and re-energized feeling alert, feeling fine and um Probably a little wiser. If you have any luck at all with that exercise, a little smarter, and a little more free from whatever has been pulling you down—the confusion, the fear, the hurt—that really was just a symptom of what you don't know, trying to get your attention so that you would know and understand. It's a pretty cool process, not unlike the gauges on the dashboard of your car. You don't really want those idiot lights on the dashboard to indicate a problem. You don't really want the gauges to force you to pull over to the side, but on the other hand, if there is something wrong, it's <laughs> it's better that you see it on the dashboard while you can still correct it right before you end up in the ditch. Again, I want to thank you for being here. I also want to remind you of the opportunity you have to make a contribution to this larger project that is the Ageless Wisdom and Focused Passion. We have a premium audio program that we ask $0.99 cents a week for. It's not a lot of money. It's Some people, they, they say it's hardly even worth putting on my ATM card, but less than $4 a month, you can make a contribution. We'll give you these premium audio programs. They usually run about 45 to 55 minutes each. They're studio-quality podcasts. It's Steve Snyder, my partner for 30-plus years and I, on personal development and spiritual development as well. If you like what we're doing here for free and would like to support it, subscribe at FocusedPassion.com for just 99 cents. Focus. With an ED, focusedpassion.com. We're all out of time. Thanks for listening. As always, be gentle of life and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. Aloha from Bali, Hawaii.